May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. I'm battling a bit of a cold today, so you'll have to bear with my voice, but also that's why I asked Brian to, to celebrate. I thought it would be better that um, I not handle all of your food today before you uh, come to receive communion. <laughs> I was watching this video this week, um, two little toddlers playing in a nursery school setting, a little boy and a little girl. They seemed to be calm and happy, and they were just kind of playing together. There was a, a mom or a, a teacher sort of sitting in the distance, and, and uh, they're about a year old. The boy had these two plastic tubes in his hand, with a purple one and a yellow one, and the, the, the one was smaller than the other, and he was sliding it in there, and it would slide in, and he was holding it like this, and he would put it in, and it would fall through the other side. And it seemed to be like he couldn't figure out how it would stay in there, you know, like it should stay in. So he kept kept trying to do this. And, and the little girl was playing with these little red, like, donut-shaped uh, toys, and but she looks over and sees his, and she thinks they look more interesting, you know. So, um, so she reaches out, and she grabs one out of his hand, and she wants to play with that. And he wasn't happy about her little petty larceny. And so he, um, he takes it back, you know, and he's going for it and grabbing it back and you know, pulls it out of her hand and, and then begins to you know, resume his little game of, um, of putting the small tube into the big tube and not understanding why it won't stay in there. And she um, is not deterred. She uh, is a persistent little girl. She decides she's going to make another move. And so she waits. Sure enough, it falls, one, two falls through. She grabs it and, um, and, and then tries to make a play for the other one, you know. And, and, and he sort of manhandles her. He muscles that thing away and gets his, his toy back and, and continues on. And she keeps doing this. And after a bit, he, he looks over and, and he sees the little red donuts that she used to play with. And, and so he reaches and he grabs it. And he puts it in her lap as if to say, I'm playing the tube game. You play with the donuts. You know, this is the way things are working out here. You go back to your donuts, leave me to the tubes. And, um, and she seems to be uh, not happy with that at all. She throws the, the red donuts in his lap um, as if to say, I don't want to play the dumb donut game. I want to play the tube game. You know, give me the tube game. And, and you're watching this and you know what every parent has felt watching their children or ever you know every time you see little children playing together uh the the this this innate desire for selfishness you know this this i want it my way i want what i want and i want it now and if it means i have to take it away from you then i'll do it and um you know the little boy's playing with the tube game wait your turn right that if you want to play the tube game you get it in a little bit but then I got to thinking, well, what if the little boy always gets to play with a tube game, you know? My little 30-second window into the world. Maybe maybe he's always at the nursery school first, and he always gets the little tube game, and she never gets to play with a tube game. What if that was the case, you know? What if what if she's always stuck with the little dumb donuts and can't have the tube? And, and maybe it's her turn, you know? It could happen that way. Uh, I think that I've said this many times, that every child learns four words, First, mommy, daddy, no, and mine, right? Mine, mia in, in, in Spanish, or or what was it in, in German? I looked it up. Um, oh, uh, berwerk. Uh, you know, I, I like that the Germans make it a polysyllabic word, so that the kids have to work a little harder. You know, maybe that's why Germans have such great cars. Uh, you know, it, you, you have to really you know work at this if you want to say mine. We're born with these competing instincts. On the one hand, we want to be kind and generous. On the other hand, we want to be selfish and, and, and grabbing. We want to hold on to things and, 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 and cling to them. 
But we know that children have to be taught to share. They have to be, they, they have to be disciplined that way. Selfishness, at least to some degree, has to be disciplined out. Or they'll become abhorrent adults. They'll become people that are not, um, not nice to be around. We need to learn to play nice, to share. Advent is a, coming to a close. Christmas is right on the doorstep. It's, it's, it's coming quickly. In the church, every priest tries to hold Christmas back. You know, it, it's our job to, to not get to Christmas until Christmas and to live in Advent. Um, but even the lectionary pushes us there. It, it's getting us to Christmas, and, and it's right on the doorstep. And Christmas is a great time to learn about generosity and giving. But, of course, if we're not careful, it can also be an opportunity to learn about selfishness. And so the lectionary has us right on the doorstep of Christmas. And we're, we're seeing the world through Joseph's point of view. This is what Matthew does. And Joseph, he's engaged to this young girl, Mary. Betrothed is, what, is the word that we're given. We don't even use that word. This doesn't exist really any, in American parlance anymore because it doesn't, it, marriages don't work the way they did in ancient Israel. There was a three-step process to getting married in the ancient world. And the first one was that, um, I'm sorry, ladies, but the, the, you, you really weren't consulted in this whole situation. It was really a, a young man and his family with uh, the, the, a young woman's family. The young man would meet with the father of the, the prospective bride and, and ask permission um, and, and seek to marry her and, and see if this family arrangement could be made. Sometimes it was just the parents of the two children without the consent of the children at all. And once the arrangement had been made, there would be a price that would be established. That would be the second part. Once you are betrothed, once you are entered into this arrangement, the next thing that happened would be a price would be paid. The, the, the father of the bride would be paid a bride price. Um, a lot of reasons for this, but mainly because the young woman would be soon to leave that home. A valuable member of the family would be, go and live in another home with her husband and perhaps his family. And so there had to be some uh, price paid, and this is what happened. And, and then the, the third thing, of course, is that, that once the bride price was paid, uh, the, the husband and wife would come together in a ceremony, and they would, they would uh, process to the home where they would live together as husband and wife. Joseph is betrothed to Mary. The bride price has not been paid, and Matthew is explicit. They had not yet come together. They had not yet begun to live together. This is the very earliest stages of the engagement. But there's a problem. And you know what the problem is. Mary is pregnant. This is, this is deeply problematic. And unless you think ancient people didn't know, they did. They knew that this wasn't the way things were supposed to go. Mary is pregnant and Joseph knows that, that he is not the father. The very front page of the New Testament, we have a scandal, a huge scandal. I mean, it's, it's a serious crisis. And Joseph has much deliberation to do. That's what, what Matthew says. Joseph deliberates for a while, and he, he thinks about it, and he decides, I have to divorce her. But that's not the real question. You see, divorce is required. He has to go through the whole process. It's not just simply he quits calling her. You know, they don't just break up, you know, send you a note. Uh, sorry, I won't be coming around anymore. None of that. He has to actually go through the process of divorce. 
He has to, to lodge a complaint with a rabbi and file an, a, an actual decree of divorcement. He decides he's going to divorce her. The question is, how will he divorce her? Will he divorce her publicly or privately? See, if he does it privately, he runs a big risk that people might think that, that he was part of this um, illicit affair, that he was, he was involved in it. And so he's just sneaking away because he tried try to save himself the shame. But if he exposes her, if he exposes Mary, she runs the risk of being executed for this crime. She could die for this. And Joseph chooses to divorce her quietly so that he doesn't bring shame upon her. He doesn't bring public ridicule. Matthew says Joseph is a righteous man. He cannot marry her, but he will not humiliate her either. Before he gets to go to the rabbi, though, before he talks to the father, he goes to sleep and he has a dream. You heard the dream. An angel comes to him and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Two things. Take Mary. Literally, pay the bride price and take her. Take her home. And then secondly, you shall call the boy. You shall call the child Jesus. Yeshua. Yahweh saves. You shall do that. And the reason why this is such a big deal is because when Joseph names the child, he owns the child. He, he makes the child his family. The whole, the whole uh, genealogy from the uh, beginning at verse 1 of chapter 1, Jesus gets to enter into that genealogy if and only if Joseph owns him. If Joseph takes him and he becomes part of the family. The angel commands Joseph to share his good name. Sometimes I think, um, we think that the call of God upon people's lives is always something easy, um, something always joyful. Oh, wow, isn't that wonderful? You know, uh, I feel called of God to do whatever. It doesn't have to be a vocation, deacon, priest. Missionary, it doesn't have to be that. It can be all sorts of things that God calls us to do. But sometimes the call of God brings about a hard choice to make, a hard decision. What are we willing to give up? What are we willing to embrace? Joseph and Mary have to give up a lot, don't they? They have to give up their hopes and dreams, their aspirations. They have to know that their neighbors are going to be whispering about them forever. There's always going to be this, this cloud of scandal There's always going to be this adversity. Why will they do this? So that God can institute his plan of saving humanity. When we look at toddlers and we see them um, not sharing, it's kind of cute, really. I mean, it's like watching little kittens play or something like that. You know, you you see them tugging at things, and it's kind of cute. Because we realize they don't know what they're doing. They're just toddlers. Their, their parents will educate this out of them, at least to some degree. It, it won't go away all the way. But, but they'll, get, they'll learn a little, at least social norms. And we know what they're doing. We know that they're grabbing hold of things and holding on to it because they have this innate survival instinct. I have to cling to this to be happy, to live, to, to, to make it. I need to hold on tight. 
Joseph, I think, shows us what righteousness looks like. It means letting go. There's a a great woman um, lived during the Second World War. Her, her name was Corrie Ten Boom, and she was a, a Dutch woman. Um, went to a, a concentration camp because her family hid Jews in their attic, and and they um, they refused to quit doing it. And so she and her sister and her brother were were arrested, or her father rather, were arrested and placed in a concentration camp. And her sister and her father passed away there from this the, the cruel treatment that they received. And she was only released by accident, by a clerical error. And she wrote a, you know, did an incredible um, bit of writing and speaking, um, the book The Hiding Place, uh, about her life. But she said this, uh, Corey Ten Boom, she said, um, I learned not to hold on to things too tightly in life so that it doesn't hurt so much when the Lord pries my fingers off of them. I think Joseph could have said something about that as well. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.